Good morning. I greet you all. Um, in the first hour, the Christmas trees were not on, and I got to go come here, set this down, and go plug the Christmas trees in. So I could go unplug the Christmas trees and then replug them in, but I'll just leave them on. So um, I'm glad to see you all here. I greet anyone who is watching via stream this morning, and then also a greeting as I just came from the pavilion. I greet Linda and Leah and Trey, who are out there this morning. So Lee and I are delighted to live on Signal Mountain. We love to ride our bikes. We have about an eight-mile stretch on the brow where we really enjoy riding. It's pretty amazing uh, to see the view. I, was, I drove to the lepers this week early in the morning. I noticed the, the view off the back of your house. I was just noticing the sunrise happening, and I continually am just like, wow, what an amazing place. Our granddaughter, Emma, was born in March, and then things changed, and our world changed, and our country changed, and the pandemic was in full force. Lee and I continued to ride our bikes, really good just to be outside, just to get fresh air, and as we were on one particular stretch of our bike ride, I noticed a sign in a yard that I had not noticed, and I, I believe I maybe wrote about this in one of the midweeks, but I was thinking about it again this week. As we were driving towards this house on the left, I saw a very simple white sign that had been stuck down in the ground in a yard, and it just had blue letters that had been put on it, but very legible, and the words said, don't give up. I was aware that the message had been put there in light of the current events that were happening. I did not glance back over my shoulder as I was passing by. That can be dangerous on the edge of a mountain on your bicycle. Um, but as we went on out and then came back, I noticed there were different words on the back of the sign. And the words on the other side of the sign as we came back were one day at a time. I don't know who lives there. I haven't met them. I've never seen anybody there. But I received their words to their neighbors. Don't give up. One day at a time. I say that to us again this morning. We are nine months in to a pandemic. I think it's hard. But here we are. Thanks be to God. And we are actually in a season called Advent where we actually get to slow on purpose and actually think, how are we in the midst of a pandemic? How am I doing in the midst of the pandemic? And I hope that we will get to do that together this morning as we roam around in God's Word together. I noticed something that happens to me Every once in a while, when Lewis or GP get up here on a Sunday morning, and that is, a shift happens in me. And the shift that happens is, is okay, Lewis and GP, they're going to do their thing, so I'm going to sit out here, and I'm just going to take it in. And I actually really want to challenge us about that. Because what happens with that kind of a view is, is that whoever is standing up here, Lewis or GP or me today, they're the participant. 
and we're the audience out here. And I don't think that's accurate. And so I want to invite you this morning. Would you be with me while we spend time in God's Word together? Don't see yourself separate from me. See us together as a body, not me producing and you receiving, but us encountering while our audience is the Lord. And so I really want to start this morning by saying to my friends here, anyone viewing electronically, and to my family and friend Linda in the pavilion, I urge you to be with me this morning as we look to God's Word together. Would you turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 1? I'll give you a moment to get there. And I want to just simply read four verses to set us up. And then, and then Spade is actually going to dim the lights and he's going to show a clip and I'll tell you about that clip, um, that video clip as we get there. But I want to just give brief introduction to say that the Gospel of Luke is written by a doctor. And I want to hear the first four verses as a simple way of introduction and then just make a comment about uh, the words that he's saying. So if you've made your way to Luke chapter 1, chapter 1, verse 1, and I'm going to read the first four verses, and I invite you to hear the word of the Lord. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile an account of the things accomplished among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and servants of the word, it seemed fitting for me as well, having investigated everything carefully from the beginning, to write it out for you in consecutive order, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may, and then notice these words, know the exact truth about the things that you have been taught. This is the kind of doctor that I want. I want the, an, a doctor who is interested in exact things as he is operating or helping me. And I love that that is the way Luke is beginning. And he says there in verse 4, just glance at it again, so that you may know the exact truth about the things that you've been taught. And so our starting point for us this morning is, is what have they been taught? And here's one thing that we'll focus on, among many that we could, but here's one thing that they would have been taught. And it would have been out of the words of the prophet Isaiah, who 700 years earlier said, one is going to come. He's going to be different. 700 years. People lived and died and they never experienced what that was or who that was. But all of a sudden, as Dr. Luke is writing, he's saying, after hundreds and hundreds of years, all of a sudden, there is a group of people, and they are the ones that are receiving who it is. And that's actually what Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7 is declaring, and it's declaring this, Jesus Christ is born. After... 700 years of waiting, it's actually come true. You know, if you wait 
for a year for something, you begin to think, well, that's not going to happen. Much less five years or ten or a hundred or five hundred or seven hundred. The likelihood to people who were hearing this message that one would be that one would come that would be unlike any other. It grows dimmer and dimmer as each hundred years pass by. But don't miss that there was a group of people that did after 700 years encounter that the arrival actually took place. And it's why we're here talking about it this morning. Spate, will you throw that up there for me? I'm now going to play a clip from a television show that my association with could get me fired. This is a television show called 24. Nobody has to say that they ever watched it. I want you to know that I'm not endorsing this television show. At one point, Lee and I actually discontinued our watching of it because the main character, Jack Bauer, did something with a drill that seemed inappropriate. So I'm just saying that up front. The reason why I'm playing this for is because I feel like this is a picture I would like to give you as we begin to look through this gospel. The sound is down because it's irrelevant. There's a, there's a plot line happening here, and right now you see that that screen just closed down and another screen opened up. Because here's the deal. The plot that's going on in this screen is happening while there's other plots of the narrative taking place at the exact same time. And you saw in that clip that there were like six or seven plot boxes that opened up inside of that. And I actually think that that's a valuable picture because how I usually end up living my life is, is that the plot line that's happening right here is it. That I'm the man, and things are revolving around me. And yet, what I'm aware of is, is that that is not what is real. In this story of Luke's gospel in chapter 2, which we'll go to now, there are multiple plot lines that open up and they all are coming out of the reality of Luke 2, 1 through 7. Unto you, a Savior is born. And so that's the grid that I want to invite you as you participate with me this morning. Be with me as we look together into God's Word. Now, would you flip over, and we're going to just walk, walk together through Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. And I want to just invite you to notice and I want to invite you to, to be in the story and consider the story along the way together. And so we have this main plot line of all time that Jesus has arrived. But, but I want you to notice, look at verse 8 of chapter 2. Meanwhile, there is spiritual activity in a field elsewhere. That's kind of a simple statement but it's indicative of what I'm saying. Jesus' birth is affecting other stories and other people in other places. Look at verse 8. And just let's read along together this morning. Hear God's word again. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. That word staying there is translated in, in other translations, living. And the idea is, is that this is where they lived. 
the reality that this is where these shepherds lived means that some of the stereotypes that goes along with shepherds is probably true. They probably stunk. They were probably outcasts. They were isolated away. But notice this. Notice these other details about what their life might have been like. Primarily, what they were doing along the way was they were watching and waiting. That was a lot of what the lives of the shepherds were. You know what? The shepherds were doing Advent before we were. They were watching and waiting. For what? Something that they had learned 700 years ago? Don't miss it. They're about, they're some of the ones that are about to hear for the first time about the reality that the wait is over. So, another plot line, another plot screen is opened up, and it says that the glory of the Lord shone around them. Look at verse 9. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. So when you are at sleep at night and, you know, the day is coming and you get up at whatever time you come on, there's that moment where the bathroom light gets turned on and this happens for, for me and it does. It's kind of jarring and you kind of squint and, it, and it, it makes your eyes uncomfortable. Nothing like that. I can't even imagine and I want to invite you, be with me. Imagine what that moment would have been like. The glory of the Lord shone around them. What would it be like if it happened here in five minutes? It wasn't usual. It was something different. Something new and something different was coming to them. And notice this part, where they live. They haven't left yet. And I love the fact that the Scriptures help us to keep it real. Here's where we know that this is not a part of the sappy Christmas story that is sometimes portrayed. They are freaking out. They are terrified, it says. I love that we get that detail. I love that we get the exact detail that their response is as they're where they are, tending minding their own business, and all of a sudden an angel is there and the glory of the Lord is shining and their response is what I sense my response would be. I'm scared. What's happening? But then notice verse 10. Again, it just keeps getting richer. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. Now, this continues to be encouraging to me because this is what I sense happening. I sense God understands that we don't always get the God things. Why is he saying don't be afraid? Because there's kindness and compassion there. 
the angel announcing don't be afraid is not a place of shaming. Hey, what's y'all's deal? Like, snap out of it. The angel is not shaming them, but the angel is also calling them to be in a different place than they are. They're afraid, they're terrified, and very graciously they're being told, don't be afraid. They're being taught. And then it announces about good news. Look back down at verse 10. I bring you good news of great joy which will be for all the people. That word, good news, is where we get the word gospel from. And I want you just to pause again and even bask in this reality. Right here, they are being told, the good news is here. The good news has arrived. And it says that it's for all people. But here's what's interesting about that. We know that all people will not receive the good news of Jesus Christ. The scriptures tell us that that there will be those that will not receive it. But that word all, even though there's a sovereign knowing that not every person is going to receive this good news gift, it does mean that the good news is for each person. It's for each and every person, even though every single person will not receive it. I'm also struck by this idea of all the people. Well, there was a group of people back then that were there when Jesus came, and they were part of all the people. Well, we are too. So listen to what the climate was like during the time when Jesus actually came. Here's what the social climate was like during those days. There was a difficult economy. There was tax-hungry leadership. There were people that were struggling to make a living. There, were, there was tension among people of differing religious groups. There was tension among people of different political groups. Hmm, that all sounds familiar, doesn't it? It's also to this part of the all people. It wasn't just for them. It was also for this part of the all people. All need the good news because a vaccine won't do it. A presidential candidate won't do it. And a donut won't do it. And I say that seriously. Because we try all these things. The only thing that will fill this hunger is the reality that Jesus has come. Look at verse 11 and 12. Let's keep digging. Verse 11 For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And so all of a sudden the shepherds have been visited right where they live. And now, how would you find something? Well, you would look. 
And so right in the middle of their normal, everyday living and tending, they are in being invited to go on an adventure mystery because they don't know. They don't really know where would they go. What are they going to find? Is it a trick? Is it a joke? But the humble, quiet shepherds are being invited from right where they live to go on an adventure mystery together. And they are told, you will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. Another plot screen opens. Throw it up there for me, Spate. I love this picture. This is one of my uh, most favorite pictures of just trying to imagine this next moment. Go with me again. Verse 13. Be with me. And suddenly there appeared with, an, with the angel. So there was one angel and now all of a sudden it's changing. There appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. This is not ordinary. So... We do not get numbers. You can leave that up there for a second, Spate. We don't get numbers in this passage. There are two places in a similar idea where we get numbers. It's not saying that it's about this moment. But in Daniel 7 and Revelation 5, when talking about heavenly beings, we actually get some concrete numbers. 10,000 times 10,000 equals... Anybody? Who said it? Say it louder. 100 million. 100 million. So, hear me say, we don't know if that's what the number that happened in verse 13 is, but I do want us to take in and consider, we're given the idea with some layering of words, it's a big group. And it's these shepherds standing in the field minding their business, just smelling up the area, doing their thing, and all of a sudden, there's an angel. That seems like that was enough. They're terrified. And now, something may be like this. Wow. What a night. I think their adrenaline is firing. I think it's firing. And it says... They were praising God and saying, verse 14, glory to God in the highest. Can you imagine what the volume might have been like? That number, whatever it was, we know it's gotten larger than one, and we're, we're being given a word like host. And I want you to really pay attention to this part. I think this is really amazing. The intersection that happens right here, and that is this. The heavenly hosts are communicating to God and to us. It says that they are praising God. And look back at verse 14, saying, Glory to God in the highest. That's for God. It says they're praising Him. And these are the words that are coming. I don't know how the words were. I don't know 
I don't know what it would have been like. I'm so curious about what that moment would have been like. But they are communicating with God, and then in the exact same moment, verse 14, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. This heavenly host is communicating in both of these realms. The heavenly realm and the earthly realm. I'm, I'm intrigued by verse 14 at the end where it says, with, him who, with whom he is well pleased. In another translation it says, on whom his favor rests. And the idea of those words there are those words. Pleasure, pleased, and favor. So listen to it that way in verse 14. And on earth, peace among men with whom you have the pleasure of God. With whom you have the favor of God. That's amazing. That to me is a really holy moment. Another plot line opens. Look at verse 15. The heavenly hosts have come from somewhere. Where did the heavenly host come from? At the heavenly host hangout, wherever that is. They've been with the shepherds and with the angel, and now, please think about what this is like for them. And now, that's all gone. Look at verse 15. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven... It's, it's like they're being, it's like their hearts and their minds and their eyes are just being jerked around. If we really believe that this moment happened, this was not casual. Those, those shepherds were impacted by what was happening. And I really actually kind of like thinking about this moment. And I just imagine when they were gone, if maybe one of them, they didn't have a podium there. But if they had a stump or something and they like are in the midst of the adrenaline firing for them and they just are pausing when the rest of the host is gone and if one of them just goes. Did you see that, by the way? Just like making sure that I wasn't the only one that, that took in what just happened. You have my attention. You have our attention. Look at verse 16. Actually, end of 15. Let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. There is response. The angels are gone. What they are visually have been seeing is no longer happen, happening, but they have been affected. They have been impacted. And look at verse 16. So they came in a hurry, we're given the detail, and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. The shepherds in some way are helping to keep it real. We don't understand everything that's happening for sure in the last moments, but we are on our way to find whatever it is. Let this favor 
rest on us. We want it. We want whatever is happening. And us. You can ask him right now. God, would you allow your favor to rest on me? Would you allow your pleasure to rest with me? God, I want you to be pleased with me. So adrenaline firing, they go and they find him. Isaiah 30, 18. The Lord longs to be gracious to you. Yes, he does. Verses 17 and 18 as we finish in the story. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child and all who heard it wondered and the things which were told them by the shepherds. So another plot line box is opening up and they are now sharing about what they had been told. What was the message that they had been told? The message that they had been told was a Savior is born. And then they shared with some people And then they share with some people. And then they share with some people. And don't miss this. And somebody then shared with you. Because you and I are tied to this story. Because if you are here and you have entered into a relationship with Jesus, then you have been impacted by this telling that we're looking at in Luke 2. And notice this. And if you are not aware that you have been impacted by this telling, you can receive it new now, this morning. If you're in this room, if you're watching via stream in your car or in a living room, or you're in the pavilion, you can become aware in a new way now about the telling of Jesus Christ, the Savior, being born It can be born again in you now. I think that's really amazing. Verse 19, it just keeps getting better. Another screen opens. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. So we've gone from Star Wars, Galactica, something crazy, amazing, can't even fathom what it was like with the heavenly hosts and the shepherds in the field and the demonstrative power of what that might have been like to verse 19 that actually seems really, really quiet where it tells us that Mary is treasuring these things. The words there for treasuring and pondering actually have these ideas in them. She is fighting to defend and protect the things that she has been experiencing. Another another meaning inside of these words, treasuring and pondering, is, is she is seeking to be fully aware about what is happening to her and in her. We can do that. So, tell everybody, declare it to everybody, that belongs, 
And then also tell yourself she was treasuring these things up in her heart. That also belongs. And then lastly, look at verse 20. The shepherds are affected. They've been impacted. Look at verse 20. The shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen just as had been told. The angels are gone, but they have been impacted. And this is what the response for them says. It says that they are praising God for all that they had heard and seen. So, as we close in the next few minutes, I'd love to just notice four things that I've been pondering, and I want to invite you to think about those with me out of these verses. First of all, be with me. First, the supernatural power of God moves the hearts of men and women. You know, there have actually been times in my life when I have thought, you know what, I'm not going to change. Perhaps in a, in a rut of sin in my life or just the routine of church. So what we do, we get up, we go, and we do. But we change because the supernatural power of God can change the hearts of men and women. You and I will never change on our own. Any person who is hearing my voice here or outside of this room today, if you have entered into relationship with Jesus, it is proof that the supernatural power of God can move the hearts of men and women because we would never choose it on our own. And so if you and I have any awareness that there's been any kind of a shift towards Christ at all, then it's declaring that His supernatural power is real. And so I ask us this morning, have you been aware of the supernatural power of God at work in your life? Even if it is the slightest, faintest movement. I'm aware that BJ mentioned an announcement about the fact that we're getting ready, to, we've been invited to read the scriptures together through the Bible. And I want to keep it really real and say, I have this little inner dialogue that goes on inside of me, and it's kind of sad, and that is, I really, really want to do that. And about three weeks in, when it's Leviticus time, I see this big plummet happening. And I don't want that to happen. But I, in some ways, I've remembered what's happened. Well, what if something new or different invaded where we live and it wasn't like that? Not that there, it's about legalistically making sure you read your Monday reading. But what about if something happened inside of those Leviticus readings during this year and it was different? And the supernatural power of God was at work in a way that we can't explain and we're not taking a nosedive, but we find that we're hungry. How would that even be? It would be because the supernatural power of God can change the hearts of men and women. That's first. How do the shepherds respond? How do they respond at the supernatural power of God? Do they resist or do they welcome? Well, the words we get is, is let's go straight to Bethlehem. 
It wasn't, hold on, let's stay here. Hold on, maybe they'll come back. That was cool. They hurry. I believe because they're changing. They have encountered the power of God and they're changing. Secondly, the supernatural power of God moves the hearts of men and women to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And I say that not from a churchy, guilt-trippy kind of way. What if the arrival of the Savior in your and my life caused there to be a desire to want to declare that that's happened? Something's happening with me. Something's happening to me. I'm going to declare it. I don't understand all there is to know about His pleasure resting on me or His favor resting on me or His favor coming to you and resting on you. But here's what I want to say. If I have any awareness about it, I want it. I want to receive it. I want to live in that. Verses 17 and 18 tell us that the shepherds spread the word about what they had been told about this child and that they were amazed. What is primarily impacting your life these days? What is primarily impacting your life these days? The supernatural power of God moves the hearts of men and women to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And then thirdly, the supernatural power of God moves the hearts of men and women to consider their own hearts. The hardest thing that I have ever done in my life is to look at my own heart. Because it's chaotic and it's messy. And there are times where I'm scared to do it. Because down inside, according to the scriptures, I'm a murderer and I'm an adulterer. And that's accurate. But the supernatural power of God can lead us to consider our own hearts. The shepherds had seen an angel. Well, you know what? Mary had seen an angel too. But now Mary was seeing the Savior himself. And it was leading her to treasure things up in her heart. I invite us to look into the chaos of our hearts. Because even though there's things there that sometimes are scary for me, there are also things that are really, really beautiful that are worth treasuring up with Jesus. Just you and Him. Just Him and me. And lastly, the supernatural power of God moves the hearts of men and women to praise God. Verse 20 says, they were praising God. And again, this is not from a place of a good, guilt-trippy place to be like, okay, well, let's praise God, folks. No. Let's praise God. Out of the overflow 
of the fact that the Savior has come, not out of a routine. Oh, come let us adore Him. Oh, come let us adore Him. Oh, come let us adore Him. Christ the Lord. For you alone are worthy. For you alone are worthy. For you alone are worthy. Christ the Lord. The plot lines open up and people encounter the supernatural power of God. If you are in Christ, that is true of you. You are not excluded. And then they shared about the power of God with others. And then they pondered the power of God in their own hearts. And then they praised God in response after encountering His power. Consider something new or different, or life-changing happening where you live. Your family, your marriage, your church, your school. What if the arrival of the Savior impacts the way that we are together? What if the arrival of the shepherd causes our praising him to be less routine? What if something new, different, and life-changing entered right where we live in the midst of our normal routines and our living? How could it happen? The Christmas countdown is ticking everywhere else but it can be muted in this season of Advent as we consider that the good news is this you have heard it said today in the city of David there has been born for you For you, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And right this second, a new plot screen is opening up in you and in me. Jesus, thank you thank you that you would include us that you would include messy people, that you would include people with chaotic hearts like mine, and that you would say, 
unto you today is born a Savior who is Christ the Lord. May the words of our mouths and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And we'll go a little off script here. I would like to invite you wherever you are to stand.